Alright, uh, we're going to get to page two here now. <clears throat> By the way, we are reading the book Christianity Exposed uh, by uh, Bauer. Page two, the actual page two. And uh, sorry for the background noise. This is what we're doing here. Um, the English Deistic Enlightenment and the French Atheistic Enlightenment differ as much as the English and French revolutions. Uh, in the English Revolution, religious fanaticism was the tool of the movement that searched for freedom in the past and looked in yellow parchments for the protection of its rights. In the French Revolution, liberty emancipated itself from religious Jesuitism and did not search for its rights in the night of the past, but in the eternal right. This right had not been known in the past, and only independent science was able to discover it. The historical progress from the hypocrisy and dreary partiality of the English Revolution to the French Revolution was the transition from night to day. English deism wanted to remain religious and wanted to ascertain for us the pure religion of antiquity. It's finding that true and pure Christianity was as old as the world itself. It regarded as its masterpiece and as the proof of its correctness. The French atheistic enlightenment proved that religion in general is the self-obscuring of the human mind. It taught the human mind to know itself. Its truths and its former falsehoods. The French Revolution is the bright day that followed the foggy morning of deism. Even so, Robespierre was able to cloud the bright light of the day by a resolution that there was a highest being. Even so, Napoleon was able to make an accord with the Pope. The Restoration was able to totally suppress the light for a certain time, but this was only because the people did not long for anything else, that is, in combination with their common fear of freedom. Not forever. The downtrodden mind rose with strengthened elasticity to complete what French atheism was not able to accomplish. It fought the final fight with anti-spiritual and anti-human mindless and the whole past of man's inhumanity to man. 
From where did the weakness of the French Enlightenment come? What is the origin of its fall and sinking during the time of the Restoration? We will try to answer this question in a later work, page three, by the way, that will deal with a history of the beginning, progress, rise and fall of the complete enlightenment of the 18th century. By the present work, we hope to prove that this question is worthy of being raised and that its answer is meaningful, especially today. We hope to prove this by letting the atheism of the 18th century and modern criticism fight as allies, the very Christian restoration. Of the 18th century, German Enlightenment thinkers, we were only able to take Edelman as an ally. In a later historical work, we will deal with his historical position. It is now an honor for him or for his contemporaries that can use only him. The question can be answered right now. I don't know if it will be possible for my work to reach light under the current circumstances that determined its completion in this very moment. It's fate under the inquiry, quote, will it really appear, unquote, is unpredictable. One thing is for sure, truth can say like the civil suppress confiscate burn is alike the last page and there will always remain one page will cost as much as the whole rejected and suppressed literature a new world the price remains the same and history is going to pay for it written in Berlin February 3, 1843 Bruno Bauer and the end of page 3. Alright, we go to page number 5. 4 was blank. And in page five, it's entitled One Point O Point Hell. H E L L. One Point One Point One, the fatalism of religious consciousness. The difference between human war and those moments of passion with which various species of animals hunt each other is this.
the purpose of war is peace and the parties of that war are conscious of belonging to the same species. There is only one area of human life in which war is eternal. Peace, impossible, and the consciousness of the species, mind you the true consciousness of the species, is rescinded forever and ever. That is religion. Differences between religions, precisely the pure and true differences between religions, the differences in the pure revealed beliefs in religion, are eternal and cannot be reconciled. Each party believes itself to be the true expression of human nature. Therefore, each party must repudiate the other and declare the other inhumane. This alienation must continue until the par other party is as foreign to each as one animal species is to the other. Each party believes itself to be eternal and so must exclude the other from eternity. Indeed, to give an ex eternal impression of its soul and exclusive authority, it must damn the other forever. However, by damning the other, it must always carry with itself the heavy consciousness that it is itself is damned, that it itself is damned by the other. Each party damns, and each party is damned forever. Page six. The unbiased observer recognizes this contradiction as a necessary consequence of religious consciousness. If one acknowledges this contradiction purely and openly without a secret egoistic bias, he has liberated himself from it. Edelman says, and I quote, The conditions under which certain religions promise a better future life are shameful and contradictory to each other. It is impossible to rely on them with certainty. That is because under the conditions of one Religion, God, must damn us forever and make us miserable for the same cause that promises eternal blessedness to in the other. That's Edelman from Confessions of Faith, 1746. Religious consciousness cannot speak out to freely acknowledge this contradiction because it itself is this contradiction. For the present, it has only a feeling of contradiction. But what a feeling! By damning, it is damned. By decreeing eternal damnation and misery, 
it declares its own misery. However, it intends only to damn a particularity of religious consciousness different from itself. Nevertheless, is it not itself a different particularity of the same consciousness of the ones it damns? Yet it hopes to be allowed to pacify itself over the damnation of the other party because it itself called out by the other party. But does it not damn itself? Is it not the nature of definite, real, religious consciousness to damn? If being this particularity, it must damn every particularity of religious consciousness, must it not likewise damn itself because it really is nothing other than a particularity of religious consciousness? For this reason, every particularity of religious consciousness poses as religion itself. This self-delusion does not very does not last very long because it is far too superficial and can be disproved in every aspect of human life. The fight between religious views and ways of belief lets every religious particularity feel that it is just a particularity. Each particularity limits the other one. Each one is the thorn in the other's flesh. So by being a particularity, each one is its own pain. Plague. Misery. This is an eternal misery. We're on page 7. Because each one damns the other forever and can only secure one's own self-assurance by enjoying the other's eternal damnation. The particularity of religious consciousness avoids the confession of its inner misery and the real explanation of its ill-tempered dissatisfaction by a passionate agitation against the other particularities of the same religious consciousness it silences, covers up, and reconciles its annoyance over its own limitations by fighting against the other particularities. Those fights constantly remind it that it is nothing else than a limited particularity. The friction at the outer limit reveals the inner limit of each of the particular forms of belief.
the misery of this feeling ceaselessly urges each of these forms to go forward and suppress others only to continually experience the misery of its own limitation. The fight is chronic, miserable, and eternal. Species of animals tear each other to pieces and devour each other to neutralize the feeling of alienation. They do not know that this tearing and devouring of one by the other is their unification and their neutralization of their alienation. Because they do not know this, quote, they lack the human consciousness, unquote that this struggle is perpetual. What remains is hate. Edelman quote, quote, the more belief came into the world, which is in contemporary experience, the simply endless talk about the one and only Christian belief, the less love expressed among humanity. That's Edelman from Confessions of Faith in 1746. It is absolutely impossible that love could actually develop wherever belief has supremacy because nothing is more opposite to love than hate, and hate is what belief imposes on humans if they cannot or do not want to catch the crickets that belief catches. Takes us to page eight. This hate is in ex because its fire must warm and maintain the substance of a particular form of belief. Even in the most weakened and most abstract form, belief can count on fire of hate to keep its vitality in agitation. It can count on hate as long as it still exists at all, as long as historical change has not yet ended its supremacy. Yes, the agitation will be even more frightful and gruesome the older and weaker it becomes. In recent times, we've often 
enough been able to and even forced to see this aging besieged by the passions of youth and unashamed to indulge in those passions in front of the whole world. But it is fact that hate is necessary. When all the vitality, vitality vanishes and the enthusiasm that had given a new shape to the whole world is over. Only the hate remains. Along with the hate remains a feeling of personal dependence and insecurity. This feeling produces the pains of hell for someone to whom hate is essential for someone who still puffs himself up with the thought of his elite consequence of his elite consequence of its eternal authority and absolute independence. Thank you, Siri. One point one excuse me, one point two point heading the insecurity of religious consciousness. In all the particular forms of its existence, religious consciousness wants to be important and to reign exclusively. Hence, each form must stand against the other in a fanatical tension each one has to hate the other. Yet the particularity of each form is only possible by a limitation with the help of the other. So each form has a focus that particularizes it and reassures it not only in itself but in a shape outside of itself outside of it rather each particularity has to hate the other but cannot survive precisely without the other from this evolves the miserable feeling of insecurity that dominates religious consciousness a feeling of insecurity and alienation that it has in common only with animals. Consequently, each form of religious consciousness refuses to confess that it is only particular through the other particularity.